and welcome to Admi Podcast Incorporated. I'm your host. Again, feels weird. I'm your host, Kaiju Emperor. How's it going? Uh, for those who didn't listen to the last episode, uh, Laser will not be on the podcast anymore. And if you want to know the reasons why, go listen to the last episode. But as of right now, we will be uh, essentially doing a rotating door of guests with me as the main host. Until I can find a more permanent co-host, or maybe this will just be the format of the show. Uh, who knows? We'll 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 have to see. It's um, it's a sort of play by ear at this moment. But speaking of rotating door of guests who've been on the show before, it be easier. Yes, descending from Lotus Mountain, I have come bearing the gifts of knowledge from the east, from a journey with my fellow pilgrims. Man, so can I can I become a Bodhisattva if I read those? No. Damn. Actually, this wisdom is just what you should order from Starbucks. Some good wisdom. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Um, but yes, today we're gonna be talking about uh, Lego Monkey Kid, the first two seasons specifically. Mainly uh, due to the fact that the other two seasons are not widely available. Well, to, to English other speak. season. The other season and the specials are not widely available to English-speaking audiences. Uh, they're not available on Amazon Plus yet because they only their only availability is through being aired in English on the television uh, channel that it aired on. So no streaming is available for those seasons. As of no legal streaming no is available le- for that season. No legal streaming. As That's the wording I'm going to use. Wink. Wink. Uh, but the first two seasons, there's enough. Uh, and also, the reason that KP is here is because if I talked about anything re- even remotely related to Journey to the West, and KP wasn't here, he would kill me. I mean, you'd be fine to do Dragon Ball, maybe. Uh, and you'd be fine, and you were fine with any Yasha, which is there. It's but yeah. like if we talk about if you talk about Shinzo without me, I have your head. Oh um, yeah, yeah, Shinzo. I I remembered when I realized that Shinzo was a Journey to the West allegory, and I was just like, huh. Well, didn't I have to tell? Wasn't didn't I have to be the one to tell you that? No, no. Okay. No. I remember. So, it was Jank. I told. It that. was Jank. Yeah, it was Jank. Our friend, uh... Jankerton. Janky, Janky Jankerton, uh, streaming on Twitch at, uh, Jank Jankerton. Uh, go follow him. Go follow him right now. Uh, but yeah, Shinzo and, like, there's another one that I'm trying to think of that's, like, a more to anime that's a more direct, uh, Journey to the West fucking thing. But it's not coming to me. Um, but yeah, we did do Inuyasha, because Inuyasha is, there's some stuff that's similar to Journey to the West, like the, you know, Monkey King is Inuyasha, like he's, he's woken up from a long slumber, instead of a little ring on his head, he's got the necklace, and Kagome is the Sanzang equivalent, and he, you know, slash Tripitaka does the, instead of saying the Sutra, she says Sit Boy, etc., and, you know, we've got the pigs the equivalent. The only ones we don't have an equivalent of are Sandy. And then the dragon horse is Kirara. But Shippo and Songo don't really have an equivalent in 
Strange of the West, sadly. It kind of falls yeah. apart after a certain point. Um, also, time travel and all the other shit in Stranger of the West. When's... Hmm. Uh-huh. When's my Journey to the West uh, isekai visual novel, ro- like romance visual novel? Uh, I know it's not a visual novel, but the very first time I heard about Journey to the West, the very first time, was in this movie I've been unable to find. But the plot of this movie that I watched with my parents, who also didn't know much about Journey to the West, um, this live-action movie where it was this dude who was like a university student. I don't remember. Uh, it. I know this was a movie in English, but I don't remember if he was a white guy or not. Mm-hmm. Probably, but I don't. I just don't remember. But he was like a student of like literature and the classics, and specifically Journey to the West. And demons come back. I forget if it was specifically the demon bull king or not. Um, but demons come back, and he uh, ends up finding out that all the stuff in Journey to the West is real, and has to go save the world by finding Sun Wukong, and needs the help of Pigsy, and then later Sandy, etc. Hmm. And it was a weird Isekai Journey to the West thing. Um, hmm. And I don't know where that movie is anymore. I mean, I just wanted. Uh, thing where I could self-insert myself so I could date Sandy. Oh, that's the Sayuki game. Sayuki, that was the anime I was trying to think of. Yeah, the Sayuki video game. The Sayuki video game. I think? Yeah, but I don't want that. I don't want that, Sandy. I want him to be a big fish man. Uh, there's a video game called Sayuki that's that's unrelated to the anime. At least I think it is. Mm. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, Sayuki. Uh, Sayuki Journey West was a video game for the PlayStation, um, where you played uh, uh, Tang Sanzong, um, but could be a uh, male or female, your choice. And you had it was a tactical RPG like Final Fantasy Tactics. Um, they replaced White Dragon Horse with. The Dragon Girl, a different Chinese legend, because they, like most adap- uh, adapters, went, this is a superfluous character that should be doing more. What? No, the Dragon Horse being superfluous and never doing anything? Um, and then, a- they added, then they added a character to the main cast, just like to put their stamp on it, who was a living tree woman. Well, alright then. Uh, I think she was your main healer, because Tan so- Tang Sang- Sanzong, instead of being a healer, was your summoner. Mm. You would you would meet various character celestial beings um, who could help you, but like for game balance, couldn't solve all your problems. So like when you met Neja or Guanyin or whatever, and you wanted them to help you in a fight, that was Tan- uh, Tang's turn was summoning them to do. The Final Fantasy summoning thing. And then you go back to uh, Goku hitting them over the head with uh, Ryu Jingubang. Mm-hmm. Got it. Weird game. Anyway. Weird game. Um, but uh, anyway, but because there's no format, uh, fucking upkeep is not really be a thing anymore. But then again, it really wasn't a thing for a while because most of the things Laser and I were watching were either over or on hiatus. 
because Amphibia and DuckTales are over, and Owl House is going to be on the hiatus till October. So, kind of a moot point for upkeep to even be a thing. So, it's probably not going to be yeah. a thing anymore, fortunately. But um, we do still have weeks. Um, they haven't a completely abolished the concept of time yet. God, I wish. <laughs> but, Kipia, what have you been up to? Uh, well, recently I rewatched Paprika. Um, Satoshi Kon's. I don't. I was gonna say seminal work, and that's not even true. I don't know why I was gonna say that. One of the things that most people know him for. True. It is. I think it's a. I'll say this: it's a good movie. I really enjoy Paprika. Um, and it's one of those movies that I think. You get a lot out of a rewatch because you're not as. You can pay more attention to the things that are happening in the corners and sides of the screen um, compared to, like, just focusing on the characters and what they're doing. Yeah. And that this movie loves to play with that. Uh, like, uh, in several scenes, characters are talking about something completely unrelated. Like, they think they're safe. And then in the corner, they're setting up for the big jump scare moment of they're not safe, actually. Mm just like in the background and it's really interesting yeah there's a lot of like that said it's a fucked up movie yeah it's a fucked up movie it's also a lot of capital c cinnamon topography yeah they they really enjoy playing with paprika does a way better job of dealing with like dream logic and like perspectives and dreams than like any other media I've seen, because you get scenes like Paprika walking forward into the camera where to where she's out of sight, and then she will pop up as a smaller as a fairy, like a smaller person, from in the frame still, and then move forward as her way of like shifting forms, or like um at one point she in order to get out of a situation notices she's in a location from earlier in the scene in the sequence. And so she'll see herself from earlier in the sequence and be like, run, get away. Oh, and that's yeah. how she gets out of it. Yeah. Things that like don't make sense with the logical brain because they're not supposed to. It's dream logic. Yeah, dream logic. Doesn't have to make sense. And that's kind of where Paprika really shines is its understanding of dream logic um, and symbolism and how it's not symbolism is not always consistent between people it also does this thing i i um think is really neat in that it, the the love interest of paprika not to spoil this but he's not conventionally attractive mm. like extremely not conventionally attractive um which is very interesting how they still naturally come to this conclusion through the movie of like they still like each other there's a reason they're together like the the physical attraction is possibly even still there actually it's interesting to get to Can't believe you this. just have to get past the sexual inflation scene Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> I did. So did I. I. So did I. I did forget that that happened in that movie. 
<laughs> I did too on the rewatch, and then I had to sit down and I had to message Adrian like, "Hey, I forgot this is in that movie. What hap? What? Why? Who? Who asked for this?" God. Several people. Well, no, not with that character. They didn't. No. Not with the character it happens to. They didn't. That's that was the wildest part. Yeah. It happened to the least sexual character in that movie. Oh, but it's a good movie. I do recommend it. Uh, just be prepared for it being fucked up. And if you have issues with like sexual assault imagery, oh, well, or butterfly imagery, what? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Hold on, you're a little garbled on my end. Oh. Internet issues, I believe. Oh. Uh, you try disconnecting, reconnecting. It won't. No, up the recording at all. Like, you're but the Discord. Alright, future laser, you're probably gonna have to cut this. Uh, hello? Hello? Is this better? Oh, is this better? No, you're still garbled. Have you tried disconnecting from Discord and reconnecting? It just did. Oh. That's why I just did. Because hmm. okay, it should it should have settled down. My outbound packet loss is settling down, and my ping is settling down. Hmm. Having a little I bit of an internet hiccup. I say as my packet loss keeps jumping. Hmm. I love Spectrum Internet. I fucking. Why are we? Why are we both cursed? Okay, no, no, it's settled down. Never mind. Yeah, you sound underwater. Okay, are you good? Hello. Are you, are you good? I'm speaking to Discord here. Now you're go gobble. It. It's not my ping. Is the weird thing. Try to resetting your router. I hold on. Never mind. I don't know if that would help. Oh, sounds I not. Don't... You sound not terrible now. Well, as I was trying to explain, it's my packet loss. You sound fine. Sometimes... You sound fine now. Yeah, it seems to have settled down. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes our internet will decide to just, hey, what if your packet loss was a billion? Anyway, what was I talking? Oh. Uh, the Paprika shit. I do recommend Paprika. I think it's a good movie. Yeah. I just think if if you are sensitive to sexual assault imagery or to dissection imagery, yeah, you might need to pass. Those are. 
they aren't prominent in the movie, but they are prominent in a very specific, intentionally upsetting scene. Yeah, much like how I would say, yeah, go. I would say Perfect Blue is really good, but also be forewarned before you watch Perfect Blue. Yeah. Because oh, oh, Perfect Blue is a lot. Also, if you have issues like unreality or like derealization. Yeah. The, okay. Not not a good movie for you. No. I don't think. Uh, um. Yeah. Other than that, I've also been playing a lot of Klonoa recently. Yeah. Because the remake came out. Um. Remake slash re-release slash uh. Slash, uh, uh, collection. Yes. Yeah. The uh, I played the first game on Wii when I was when I was younger. Um, and so this remake is basically exactly the same with the old character design instead of the weird remake character design they did. Mm. Um, it's a fun time. It's definitely a game that, like, Kirby kind of understands the cross-section of cute and fucked up that kids really enjoy. Yeah. Uh, also kind of like Kingdom Hearts in that, that way. There's a lot of intricate lore to Klonoa. Um, the deep, gooey lore of Klonoa. Unfortunately, a real thing. A real thing, and there's a also actually lore in the volleyball game. Why is there lore in the volleyball game? <sighs> there's lore in the volleyball game because the lore was setting up for the spin-off RPG game that's in a different universe, but the lore in that alternate universe is also kind of relevant to the real universe. Alright, well... The more you know, I guess. Because <laughs> uh, no one cares about Klonoa's spoilers in 2022. Um, basically, there's a character in the third game, the third portable game for Klonoa, the second on the Game Boy Advance, called Dream Champ Tournament. Mm. One of the characters they introduced to that game is the Virgil to Klonoa's Dante, named Gantz. Hmm. And Gantz is basically Fang the Sniper if Fang the Sniper were a German Shepherd. Mm. Um, he's a bounty hunter uh, who travels across the dreams uh, taking the biggest pay he can. Um, and in the, that game, that game's Klonoa's tournament arc and includes characters from across the franchise. Um, so all of Klonoa's friends from the first and second game and also the um, the other GBA game all show up. Mm. Coincidentally, all these characters are also in the volleyball game. Um, coincidentally. Coincidentally, it's almost like we're building a cast and then have to justify bringing them in places because they're all from different worlds. The, um, the Klonoa Cinematic Universe. Yeah. But Gantz is introduced in that game and has like a deep, a dark brooding past. You know, you know, Virgil type. Yeah. Um, and in the volleyball game, he reveals that the reason he's working with the antagonist in the volleyball game um, is because he was paid to, not just in money, but in information. And it, when you win in his route in the volleyball game, he reveals the information he wanted was the location of, quote, the assassin with the poison claws. Mm. A character who has not shown up in the main series, but is the main antagonist 
of the RPG game Klonoa Heroes, where he's the one who kidnaps Lolo, um, character from the second Klonoa, who's also in the that alternate universe, Klonoa's childhood friend and love interest. The deep, gooey lore of Klonoa. You asked. <laughs> I did ask. Uh, yeah, that's... So there's deep, gooey lore for some reason. Um, yeah, yeah. It's It's been a fun time. I like the games. They, they... I also like every time I show it to someone, I, ha- I say that Klonoa has an inflation gun and everyone hates me. I also hate you for that. It's not wrong. It's true, but you shouldn't say it. <laughs> um... So yeah, those are the main things I've been doing. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I, I should also mention I did start playing Apex Legends because of our mutual friend, Maddie. We're real gamers now. I don't know if I'll keep up with it. In fact, I probably won't. But it's nice to have a game I can play with my friends. Yeah. That's the main reason I downloaded it. I was like, oh, I can play this with Maddie. That, that'll be a fun time. And I will not play it on my own time because I don't hate myself. Yeah. Uh, so for me, I obviously rewatched um, overly sarcastic productions, abridged retelling of Journey to the West to get a refresher on <laughs> my Journey to the West lore for this episode. And he bowed in all four directions and activated his laser eyes. Yeah, laser eyes, and then then the laser eyes shot up into heaven. And uh, the Jade Emperor went, "What the fuck was that?" God. I love. By the way, for those of you who want to know the gist of Journey to the West, or want to know about Journey to the West but don't want to read a, how like how many fucking it's it's so it's so fucking it's multiple. The English translation is multiple volumes. A multi-volume novel. Uh, go watch Overly Sarcastic Productions. Uh, basically, Sparknotes version of Journey to the West. It's entertaining and gives you, like, a real good general idea of Journey to the West and a lot of the things in Journey to the West that are referenced in other media. It tells most of the stories. I can't think of anything so far that they've skipped. Yeah, like, nothing major. Like, um, all the, the all the stuff with, like, Monkey's Origin and the, the Bone Demon, the... Red Sun. The Bone Demon, who is only important to Lego Monkey Kitten. We'll get there. Well, Um, she's important to other adaptations, but we'll get to that. But only a couple. It's uh, we'll We'll, get there. We'll we'll get get there. there. But like, we also do like they they do every major story as they have as they in chronicle order of the thing. I can't think of anything so far that they've skipped. Yeah, nothing important. it's hard to say what is or isn't important because of how episodic the novel is. It's the blueprint for every other episodic, like, like a- travel anime, I guess is the way I want to word it. Mm. Like, like the general setup of group of people ha- are from from one place to another. They stop by weird villages where weird stuff is happening and have to solve the problem. This Basically. blueprint, Journey to the West, made it. Basically, any episodic anime where they're like traveling and are trying to get to a specific destination and have a bunch of episodic adventures, 
it's 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 that's where it came from. It's right into the list. Cooking Master Boy, Pokemon, Inuyasha, Digimon. Uh, depending on the Digimon, yeah. Depending on the Digimon. Digimon Frontier, especially. Yeah. Digimon. Until you hit the halfway point of Frontier. And then it, and it becomes a whole other thing. <laughs> yeah. Then it becomes existential crisis. Yeah. And uh, fucking biblical references. Poor, poor Koichi. Um, poor Koichi. Anyway. Uh, so there's that, and then uh, me and Adrian started rewatching the anime Monster. For those who don't know, it's a seinen series, very good. Uh, but um, general, the gist is that the doctor saves a young boy's life, and then turns out that that boy was a psychopathic murderer, and then the doctor. Spends the rest of the series trying to stop him from doing more murder. It's also, and I know this will be a selling point for some people, a period piece. It is a period piece. It takes place during 1960-something. Uh, it's like not long after the Berlin Wall fell, essentially. I haven't, I haven't seen it, but based on the description you gave me, it sounds like it'd be real good for people who liked the sort of cat-and-mouse thing of, like, Death Note. It, yeah, it's, I think, a more interesting, I personally don't like Death Note, but the, I like the, the dynamic of this way more than what Death Note was trying to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I like the idea of this character, the main character being a person who has spent his entire life being a pacifist and considers all human life precious having to, like, forego his own morals to try and stop uh, someone he feels is his responsibility. Yeah. Yeah, but Monster is really good. Uh, highly recommend Monster. Either the manga or the anime, they're both good. The anime adaptation was done by uh, Madhouse, so... So you know it's good. So you know it's good. Back in the Madhouse, back in the day, baby. Uh, but yeah, and then... Um, I've learned, and the other thing that I've been checking out was uh, uh, Akagi, which is the other series by the guy who wrote Kaiji Ultimate Survivor. So I've learned a lot about Mahjong. And unfortunately, you're going to learn more. Unfortunately, I will make you learn more. You're going to teach me how to play Mahjong. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I've always kind of been vaguely interested interested in Mahjong. Uh, same with, like, Shogi and Go. Are those I, those two I cannot help you with. Yeah, it's, you know. I've seen exactly one episode of, of Hikaru no Go, which is not enough to know how to play Go. No, and Shogi is a whole other thing. Shogi... Shogi sure exists. I mean, it's like the equivalent to chess, right? That's how people compare it. I don't know how true that is. For the same reason that Mahjong is quote-unquote the equivalent to poker, but like the second you start examining Mahjong, you realize that that's not really a good comparison. Mm-hmm. 
I've always been interested in the uh, the fictional game, the fictional Avatar game, Pi Show. Oh yeah. Uh, which is supposed to be shogi, but not. Because uh, so, people have made like Pi Show, and there are actual rules for Pi Show. I've always kind of been vaguely interested in it. Well, I found an online yep. client for it. Well, online client for Pi Show. It's easy to make online clients for board games. Yeah. You know, I've 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 learned a lot about Mahjong, but also like the anime only very anime and manga very vaguely explain how Mahjong works because it's mostly about the more meta aspects like the bluffing and strategy of like you just need to know the gist of like oh he's trying to do this which you know it's like oh i i get the the general concept of that and i don't need to know how to play a mahjong to get the general gist of that kind of strategy because that kind of strategy exists in a lot of board games it's kind of like uh watching poker in any tv show it's like you don't really need to know the specifics. You just need to know, oh, they're bluffing. That's the thing that's going on. Like you need to know that there is, there are tiles and they have suits, and that putting them together in certain patterns makes make winning games. That's it. That's kind of all the gist you need to know about mahjong to get the anime. And that's kind of mostly what it gives you. Although occasionally it will explain some of the more advanced uh, stuff. Like, uh, kind of like a sports anime. Kind of like a sports anime, yeah. But I have been enjoying it. That author really does a good job of like making the most mundane fucking things seem really tense and exciting. Yeah. Like, in Kaiji, the best arc in all of Kaiji is they sit in one, like, at least in the anime uh, that I watched, they, they never leave one room and they just play fucking dice. In the in the pachinko mines. In the pachinko mines. The pachinko mines, owned by uh, fucking. Uh, the S- same bad guy who's the bad guy of every arc in that show. Yeah. Also, maybe S and K. Maybe. Uh, yeah, because S and K like left video games to do pachinko for a while, and then now they're back making video games again. Yeah. Wonder if that'll happen with Konami. Oh, that they'll come back to video games? No. Probably not. We're probably stuck like I, this. You know, nothing nothing will rip my soul out more than seeing uh, HD versions of the cutscenes from Snake Eater, but they're for the Metal Gear Solid <laughs> 3 Snake Eater Pachinko Machine. <laughs> Like, oh, no, God forbid I get a re- an HD re-release of fucking Snake Eater. Some would argue one of the most popular ga- uh, Metal Gear games to ever exist. Like, it is the best one by many people's metrics. It's also the only one I have seen start to finish. Yeah, it also is one of the only ones that, like, where the, the core, um, sort of like crux of Metal Gear kind of does stop doesn't doesn't fall apart. 
where it's like after a certain point, it's like it was the Patriots and all this other stupid fucking bullshit that. I mean, the Patriots are relevant to Snake Eater, but they're just like a normal conspiracy. It's it's because the whole crux of Snake Eater is like. Uh, it, Soldiers are a disposable class, and thus will be used in the political machinations of uh, their their uh, countries, even after even when there is no war. Yeah, and thus, like, the boss sought to try and make a true world without war and without and a world that would have no need for soldiers. And then the rest of the events in Metal Gear, in terms of the timeline, are two different guys interpreting that very differently. Yeah. And and yeah. fucking it up for everybody else. And two guys made that everyone else's problem. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the boss is spinning in her fucking grave. I love Metal Gear. I hate Metal Gear. Both are my true feelings. But anyway, uh, that's me. Uh, so that's our week. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we're going to talk about Lego Monkey Kid. See you in a minute. Bye. And welcome back to Agme Podcast Incorporated. It's Monkey Kid time. Woo. Woo. Here comes Monkey Kid. Uh, so Lego Monkey Kid. Uh, obviously inspired by Journey to the West, is licensed by the LEGO Group. And uh, it was uh, essentially developed uh, in China by a Chinese studio, I believe, uh, called... It was basically supposed to be uh, Chinese New Year sets. And basically, it was, it, it was the first time they released a line specifically for, like, almost exclusively a Chinese audience. Basically, is sort of following uh, some research that were like, we could market this a little more. Why don't we make a show? Right? Uh, and so I believe it was actually done by their own. I don't know if it, it doesn't say. I'm trying to find out what the anima- name of the animation studio actually did it. I thought it was the same animation studio that did um, Rise of the Teenage Mutant. It would be listed here. Like a monkey kid. Is produced by Flying Bark Productions. Ah, okay. That's not the. That, that's the that's not the animation studio. It's the producers. Um, I assume it was just the Lego Corporation outsourcing it to like a Chinese studio, but they're not properly credited. I guess. Which sucks, because, I mean... The, the animation oh, is one of the best things. Oh, Shanghai Animation Studio. Ah, sh- thank you. Shanghai Animation Studio. Um, oh, never mind, never mind. That was a different thing. That was different. Okay, well, if, it, if it's not listed, then it might just be like, yeah, it was outsourced by the LEGO Corporation to a Chinese studio, and they weren't properly credited, possibly. Which sucks, because the animation is one of the best things about this show. That or Lego might just have... I think Lego at this point might just have its own animation studio. Because, like, they've been doing animated shows for a million years yeah, now. Yeah, they might They might have an in-house 
Because, yeah. like, they've been running Ninjago for a million years. Yeah, I watched a lot of Ninjago. And Ninjago is way better than it has any right to be. Just the, like, mo- the Ninjago movie is also way better than it had any right to be. I mean, this show is also way better than it has any right to be. No, this show has the right to be good. You're correct. Um, Why did they make a Lego City Adventure TV show? Good question. Maybe when they made Lego Chima. That's... No, apparently this was a thing from 2019 that's still going. Oh, alright. On uh, Nickelodeon. So, so Monkey Kid uh, was originally released in China, but also has an English release, and we're going to talk about the English cast, so... Monkey Kid, a.k.a. MK, is played by uh, Jack DeSena, who is most famous for playing Sokka in the original Avatar, The Last Airbender. Uh, May, is, May is voiced by uh, Stefan Shea, and Stefan Shea is very famous for being in a lot of anime. She uh, is in, she was in Haruhi, she was Orihime in Bleach, she was um, Usagi in the re-release of Sailor Moon. Uh, they like also... casting her as, like, soft-spoken characters. Which, which is, is funny because of the character she plays in this. Who is not that. Is she plays Mamimi in the Fooly Cooly dub. She's uh, she's Ilya in, in, in Stay Night. Uh, Pigsy is uh, voiced by Dave V. Mitchell, who is uh, probably most famous currently for being the current voice of, like, Knuckles. Knuck, knuck. Knuckles. Knuck, knuck, knuckles. Uh, Sandy is played by uh, Patrick Seitz. Patrick Seitz? I'm not sure exactly how to pronounce that, but he's been in a lot of stuff like um, Helsing, uh, Read or Die the TV, uh, Eureka 7. He was also Bleach. He, in Bleach, he was the other voice of Kenpachi after David Lodge. Uh, Ishin Kurosaki. He was in Naruto. He was also in Fate Stay Night. He's the voice of the dub voice of Frankie in the dub of One Piece. Oh, hey, he's also in Monster. Hey, look at that. Um, and then we have uh, Tang, who is voiced by David Chen, who doesn't really have his own page, and I don't really recognize him from anything. I mean, I pulled up his page. But... Uh, what has he been in, David Chen? Uh, it looks like a lot of. TV shows neither of us would would recognize. He was, however, in Marvel What If, mm-hmm. um, where he was Hogan. Oh. Um, he was also. Sorry, I'm I'm still reading through this. Uh. Mm-hmm. Oh, he was in Three Delivery. That's a blast from the past. Huh. He was Barney Three Delivery. Oh. Uh, I like how I assumed you had, uh, you knew what that show was, and I was correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, then we have... Um, mo- uh, oh, he's the also mo- in One Piece. Oh, yeah, there you go. Who is he he's playing? Chess. Oh, fucking Chess and Marimo from the fucking the Drum Island arc. And... Yeah, he was he was Chess. Ah. Um, then we have the Monkey King himself, someone call him, played by fucking Goku, Sean Schemmel. Uh... But unlike when he's playing uh, Goku, here he is the sexiest motherfucker alive. Uh, then we have the Demon Bull King, voiced by Steve Bloom. He's fucking Steve Bloom. I don't need to tell you who Steve Bloom is if you have watched any single episode of this fucking show. Uh, Princess Iron Fan is voiced by Gwendolyn 
yo yep yo 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 i think it's yo uh she's uh most famous for being in general hospital where she played like dr kelly i believe she's also in um oh yeah she in terms of voice acting she played a uh, domino and wolverine in the x-men uh, she was also in young justice as lady shiva uh, she was also in Desperate, House Desperate Housewives, <laughs> funnily enough. Uh, Red Sun is voiced by Kyle McCarley, who's been in a lot of fucking shit. He was, the, he was Shinji in uh, Blade Works uh, and in Heaven's Feel. He's also in, uh, he's also Josuke in the dub of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure Part 4. The... And he was, mm-hmm. I was saying he was also 9S near Automata. Yeah, he was also Joe Shimura in Cyborg 009. Uh, and he was also in Fire Emblem Three Houses. Uh, and uh, just a shit ton of stuff. He's been in a lot. Of, he was in Devilman Crybaby, Beyblade Burst, uh, Gundam Build, the dub of Gundam Build Divers, Carol and Tuesday, Hunter Hunter, uh, B Stars, Broken Basket. Uh, he was in Demon Slayer. Lots of dubs and lots of things. Uh, the Spider Queen is voiced by Kimberly Brooks. And she uh, played Ashley Williams in the Mass Effect series. Also really, uh, for, for you and I, she was Stormy in the Nickelodeon reboot of The Winx Club. Oh! Uh, also Buena Girl in Mucha Lucha. Oh. Yeah, she's also in, um, she's also Shinobu in Normal he- No More Heroes. Oh. Yeah. Uh, she's also in, um, uh, Psychonauts 2. Oh, who was she in Psychonauts 2? Let... Wait, let me guess. Was she, um, hold on. I think, now that you say that, uh, she's almost certainly the, the voice actress for, um, what's her name? The, the assistant head of Hollis Forsyth. She's almost certainly Hollis Forsyth, right? Yeah, she's Hollis Forsyth. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, and Steve Bloom also plays a bunch of like other characters. He plays uh, one of Spider Queen's uh, minions, and so does Sean Schemmel. Sean Schemmel and Steve Bloom pull a lot of weight in the show. They play a lot of characters. Because, you so know, does Patrick's uh, site. Yeah, so is Patrick Seitz. Uh Macaque is voiced by uh, Billy Cam- Billy Kamitz, who Art, was rest in peace. You may rest in peace. Um, and then uh, we have some other characters. Uh, oh yeah, and finally, in terms of the stuff we watched, we have Lady Bone Demon, uh, who is also played by Stephanie Shea. Her whispers were done by Stephanie Shea. Oh, I thought she was actually. J.S. was Victoria Grace when she, after she possessed. The, yeah, the, her, the, the the body she is currently possessing. Yes, right. And there are lots of other characters like Sean Schemmel and Steve Lamar. So like the, or at least yeah, Sean Schemmel is uh one of the gold and silver demons, and then Dave B. Mitchell is the other. You know, a lot of people pulling triple double duty on this show. Uh, it's a shame that. We don't get to talk about some of the later seasons because it, I do find it really fun that Nezha is played by Johnny Ambosh. Yeah, also we would be able to talk about Shang-E. 
Oh yeah, she's in the next season. But uh, another time. A lot of shit happens in the next season. Yeah, we'll we'll be talking about the next season on another episode, for sure. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's it in terms of the uh, production side of things. So this was my first time seeing this show, but it, it had been on my radar ever since I saw some as like the animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course it was a journey to the West thing. So sort of course KP was also talking about it. I yeah I was very excited for it when it first was announced. Um, yes. But it took me a minute to actually sit down to watch it because my. Things have been hectic over here at KP World for a minute. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm glad I did sit down to watch it. It's much higher quality than I think you would expect for it being. Kind of like oh. Ninjago. If you think of like, oh, it's just a Lego show for kids. Like, it's a lot higher quality than I expected for, for that. For a show that literally is meant to sell Lego sets. Which... Not gonna lie, really want that monkey robot Lego. Set. I also want the Lego, the the monkey robot. That thing is really fucking cool. <laughs> I do in fact want that giant monkey robot. That thing is like the coolest thing, and I really want the Lego set for it. Yeah. And I also wouldn't mind having a little little monkey king. Yeah. Like a little mini fake of Monkey King. And uh, my favorite character, May. May is really cool. May is really adorable. Oh, you're um, Garble again. Yeah, you sound like you're underwater again. I hate you. I have to wait for it to pass. This too shall pass. Okay, you're better now. Okay. Um, but yeah. But yeah, May is really. May's really good. Um, Unlike her she, counterpart in the novel, she actually does things. I would argue she's the most, weirdly, the most important member of Team MK that is MK well, to yeah. the overall plot. I mean, basically. Because, like, un, like cause Pigsy, unlike his novel counterpart, can't really fight. <sighs> That's debatable. There's... They keep bringing up in these two seasons. I don't know if they address it in the third season. Um... But they keep they keep implying that Pigsy and Sandy are the same Pigsy and Sandy without mm. saying it. Because, like, that was the whole... That's why every time we see... Like, when May saw the Pigsy in the video game, she was like, hold on. Doesn't that look like... And then Sandy interrupted her. Like, just like Tang, right? Because Sandy. Um, or, like, yeah. in the episode where Sandy was fighting... Uh, Bintrax? Whatever the fuck his name is. The 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 weird rogue spider. Uh Syntax. No, Syntax is the uh the the other spider. The, oh the, the spider. uh Huntsman. Huntsman, yeah. When when Sandy was fighting was uh being bullied by Huntsman and then went like full demon on him. Mm-hmm. We saw those flashbacks that were like, oh, oh that's the real Sandy. Yeah, he fucking just went Shinokuma. The, the, basically did almost the ended his life he, he, it was like I, I appreciated it and I don't know if it was like trying to do it but that felt like a one punch man reference like it was the, probably just meant to be intimidating but I mean it was literally the shot of like 
him doing like the you saw the one eye and there was like almost like the, the the punch coming right in like for death and then it blowing past him to blow up the mountain behind him it's like almost a shot for shot version of that one shot in one. it might have been there are a lot of anime references in this. what a shock we have another akira reference <laughs> the akira reference happened there were there was a jojo reference there was a jojo reference um Sailor it was Moon. yeah i'm trying to think there were a couple others i noticed that are alluding uh there was a sailor moon reference and then there was um i know there's another one that i'm like probably forgetting there were a when lot. Is the animation team had fun the animation team had fun here yeah the jojo I'm... reference was really the thing that that threw me for a loop I mean, I'm surprised considering May's um, biker outfit and stuff. I'm surprised she never pulled a common rider pose. I'm surprised she was the one who got the Akira reference. Yeah, right. <laughs> it wasn't hers. The funniest part of that. No, no, it was MK and the little shitty fucking Panda Express delivery. Yeah, Panda Express. Yeah, exactly. It was it was great. <coughs> um, I'm I'm. I'm here for an Akira reference that tries to be silly. It was silly. Because, I mean, like, it's like, yeah, all right, we, we get it, you saw Akira, you know. I, I was, it, it's been referenced so many times that, like, who cares at this point? Um, but, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in here that is, like, you can watch this show without knowing anything about Journey to the West, but if you know about Journey to the West, there's a lot for you. Yeah, I'd say this show is kind of like if you were to watch, say, Fables. Because mm. Fables, uh, or read Fables, or The Wolf Among Us, or whatever, they sometimes explain lesser-known stories, uh, like fairy tales, but generally, Fables will not say, here's the story of Little Red Riding Hood 3 and the, the big battle, because, like, we, we know. Yeah. The audience is expected to have a baseline cultural assumption, uh, understanding of Little Red Riding Hood, the Three Little Pigs, um, Snow White, which, to be fair, some of those have been adapted to Disney things, which is a whole other problem we can't get into today. But Journey to the West has a very similar baseline cultural um, understanding mark in the Chinese, Japanese, etc. audiences that this is kind of being marketed as. Mm-hmm. They, have they like do that. have that baseline understanding of Journey to the West, and for a lot of Western viewers, that a baseline understanding is not there, but it does encourage people to go out and see these things. Yeah, go read Journey to the West or try and find some adaptation of Journey to the West. Um, like, I think some of the, the deeper pulls are like the from the, uh, I forget which story it was, with the, uh, oh no, it was this, it was the story with the, uh, the demon, the rhino demon bull king, the white rhino bull king, where, uh, they tried to use a Voss that contained an entire ocean, which was mm-hmm. a thing that happened, which was, like, the item that they had in that one episode with the soup dumpling. Mm-hmm. And then the rhino king also showed up in the video game episode. Yeah, the rhino king, and then, like, there were some, yeah, there's some other stuff, like, obviously, like, 
it's weird because like in the original novel the demon bull king is not really like yeah monkey fights him but like not he's not really like he, an enemy he's enemy. kind of an enemy later on like he, he's an enemy they become friends and swear like a blood family oath and that's why monkey king is technically red sun's like uncle um and then they fight again later and that later time is also when we meet princess iron fan right and that's sort of why the demon bull king iron fan and red sun and like many adaptations of like strange of the west or like some of the most prominent villains that like keep reappearing in adaptations. They're, they're pretty iconic. They're pretty cool. Like big old bull. His wife controls the wind, and Red Sun is, let's face it, really cool because he's a fire guy. And also, in the novels, the very first enemy Sun Wukong ever had that he couldn't beat. Yeah, he couldn't beat him on his own. He got his ass handed to him. Because, and this is where they don't get into it in the seasons we have here. Um, so I'm just gonna the true fire mention it. The true fire samadhi. The, the fire of samadhi. Um, yeah. that is the power that Red Sun has in the original novel. Here he just has fire powers. It seems to be average fire, which is why it doesn't affect uh, MK or Monkey King pretty much at all. But a plot point in season three is that he did in fact used to have the samadhi fire when he was an infant. And they had to deal with that. Um, and yeah. it gets dealt with, and that's the whole... That whole season is dealing with the Samadhi fire. Um, which which is the only thing that can defeat the Bone Demon. Because it's also the only thing that can defeat Sun Wukong. Um, it is the only fire... It's like the, the only... One of the few things we've seen in Journey of the West that can get past his immortality. Can get past his regeneration. Yeah, I think the... Because, like, Wukong is immune to normal fire, but he's also immune to heavenly fire. But I think that... I remember in some versions of the story, what I... What was interpreted about the, the true fire of Samadhi is that it's like... How do I want to say this? It's not fire, it's the concept of fire. Yeah, because Samadhi literally means um, a state of intense concentration achieved through meditation. Yeah. It's also sometimes a funer a funerary monument. So mm. it, samadhi is kind of, the samadhi fire is kind of like saying the fire of death or the fire of nirvana, I guess. I don't the, know. Or like the the fire of ascension, or like to go like a fire that exists beyond the realm of mortals. It exists in the mortal plane, but also exists on another. So it is, by its very nature, like, this is some fate shit, I guess. This is some fate shit. Yeah. Um, When's Red Sun going to be in fate? Also, weirdly, in... Good question. In Red, Journey of the West, Red Sun, Red the thing that's sure. interesting about the Samadhi fire is in the original novel, it can't be extinguished with water. Yeah, because it's in not fact, regular fire. In fact, rain intensifies the it's like not regular fire. It is now the thing that, yeah, the thing that beats Red Sun originally, I think, will be very funny if they adapt it somehow. Oh, because um, it clearly didn't happen in this timeline. Because Lego Monkey Kid, even though it's a quote-unquote sequel to Journey of the West, not all the events of Journey of the West happen. Um, right. Yeah. We kind of pick and choose what makes sense for our version of the story. Um. 
but from that picking and choosing, the one thing they didn't pick, because it doesn't make sense for Red Sun to continue to be an antagonist, um, is that Red Sun was originally beat uh, by Sun Wukong going to Guan Yin and being like, hey, um, I can't beat this fire. And I and you need to understand that I, I'm Sun Wukong. I would never admit I couldn't be beat. I've never admit I could be beat by something unless it's really bad. She went, that is bad. But I don't know see why I have to get up and help. And Sun Wukong's like, also Red Sun said you were a cow. And she's like, get my coat. Mm-hmm. Fucking yeah, and then and then while she was flying, she just like casually picked up a bunch of swords made of stars, and then disguised those bunch of swords as a flower. And then Red Sun was like, "Aha! I beat Guan Yin and Monkey King." After they supposedly ran away, it's like, "Ooh, hey, a flower! This looks like a nice place." Oh well, no, not just any flower. Guan Yin made a replica of her lotus throne that right. she sits on out right. of the swords. Right, and then just yeah, and it was like, "Aha! I think I'll take a seat here." And then she immediately turned it back into swords. Which, and then when he, yeah, when when he had tried to attack uh, Guan Yin, uh, she just kind of bound him with gold bands and went, "Here's the thing, like the same thing uh, Sun Wukong has on his head, but like on multiple parts of Red Sun's body." Yeah, it was like, "Here's the thing, you're gonna be my errand boy now." shaving your head and you're gonna be a monk now we're gonna calm you down mm-hmm. and he didn't really have a choice in the matter. um yeah i think this should be adapted into red sun is unfortunately guanian's intern now because i think that'd be very funny yeah i'm looking forward Just, to eventually seeing her show up she's only been mentioned once which is weird guanian yeah, and the red she was a sorry go guanian oh, was a a rec- is a recurring character of great importance to Cherry the West. The story literally wouldn't happen without her. Like, she's the one who picked every pilgrim, set them up in uh, Sanzong's way, uh, made sure that Sun Wukong could be released by by Sanzong, made sure Sanzong knew the Heart Sutra that bound Monkey King, put the binding on Monkey King so he would actually do the job, do his damn job. She's the reason it all happened, and she has not shown up in Monkey King. Oh, JP, you, uh, you died oh. for me. More connection issues. What, what was the last thing you heard from me? Hold on, I think. I think you died. Did I pass that message down? Yeah. Internet's oh, not. cursed. bad. Uh, I'm gonna be right back. Okay. I'm gonna go see if my brother can fix it. Okay, well. Alright, ladies, future laser. I have to be cutting this. There's no nothing we can do to fix it. Well, this is 
is the problem on my internet service provider's end. Um, mm -hmm. This happens more regularly than it should, by which I mean at all. Um, but we, like before, just have to write it out. Mm -hmm. I'll Thankfully, be... the recording won't Yeah, I mean, I'm have sure, I'll, be sure, I'll be sure to note the laser will cut out some of this. Yeah. Yep, so... Hold um, on, is it... Hmm? No. You don't sound as bad. It keeps spiking up and down again. Like, mm -hmm. still. Sound better now. Okay, I think I think we're good. I think we're good. I think we're good. Right. Um, okay, so it's weird that Guanyin hasn't shown up as like at all. Right. Given she was so important to the original novel, mm -hmm. like she was the reason why all the pilgrims were in Sansong's way. She was the reason why they were ready to be part of the pilgrimage because she's the one who offered them the thing they needed. Yeah, redemption. For most of them, for most of them, that was redemption. Also, you're not a monster anymore. Um, <laughs> etc. Yeah. Uh, Sun. She's the reason. She's the one who put the the binding on Sun Wukong and also taught the words the binding to Sanzong so that Sun Wukong would do his damn job. Yeah. Um. She. She's and she's also the one who advocated for all of them to the Jade Emperor. Like, hey, we need to get Buddhism to the West. I and these people, I know they're bad. They are capable of redemption. Jade Emperor went, nah. She's like, listen, I'm Guan Yin. He's like, okay, Guan Yin. Basically, the guy who wrote Journey to the West was like, Buddhism is the best. Fuck Taoism, and fuck uh, Confucianism. Which was weird too, because like it's not like it's not like a Christian take on that kind of religious argument where they would just be like those aren't real or they're lying to you because throughout the novel Taoism works yeah that's just why that... Sun Wukong has the skills he has it's just but, that Buddhism, like, is, Buddhism is better that's all it is it's sort of again all of Sun Wukong's skills and abilities are Taoist in nature his immortality is a combination of Taoist and Confucian it's uh to my understanding of Confucianism anyway I don't know it as well but it's the Buddhism that brings them true enlightenment and peace in the end. And that's the point they're making. Yeah, that and, like, the Which Buddha is, a... is the only one who actually beats Wukong, in a sense. Yeah, the, and it's... early part of the novel. Well, and Neja. Neja beats Wukong. Yeah. But, like, right. that's kind of the larger point of the novel, is that these things can work, they can get you there, but as far as the author is concerned, Buddhism is what reaches true redemption and light and enlightenment. But yeah. the novel doesn't work without the specific cultural cocktail of Buddhism, Taoism, and Confucianism. That was the cultural cocktail of China at the time. Basically. Um, as far as the, the show itself is concerned, uh, I want to say other than like, like a I don't think it can be understated how fucking awesome the animation is. Yeah. They you can tell they had a lot of fun with the animation. Uh I, I don't and know like, 
what the budget was for this, but like Jesus. Yeah, it's that's probably why each episode's only ten minutes. Yeah, that their budgeting. <laughs> that's probably why. Yeah, you know what? They basically had the budget of a normal television series, but because each episode is only eleven minutes, they basically got to use the budget of a twenty-two minute episode, but within those eleven minutes. And they really show it. Like the mm-hmm. fight scenes are always great. I still think about that sequence in the library uh, where, um, was it the library? When, when um, MK was like, uh, his extendo staff was like teleporting him between like, like portals. Mm. I'm trying to, what episode was that? I don't remember. The, the one that I'm always thinking about is the, uh, where Monkey King and Monkey Kid are, like, on the mountaintop, like, straight up, like, sparring. Yeah. Like, oh. Also, anytime, literally anytime, uh, Monkey King's about to hit something and the other character, like, just grabs the, the, the staff. Mm-hmm. Anytime they do that sequence, it's always good. And then there's the boom. Yeah. The real satisfying. So in- the, the, like, staff animation in general is really... Like, they're really good at making that... It be fluid and cool-looking when uh, MK is swinging the staff around. Also, I, I'm glad that they never forget that the staff is fucking heavy. Yeah. Like, it when he swings it at something, it feels like it weighs as, as much as it does. Yeah. Also, like, I really enjoy the animation anytime May unlo- uh, uses... For dragon power and the big old dragon shows up. Yeah, just using fucking fires a sword beam. Oh right, and the thing I really enjoyed about early the early episodes when we we're getting into May. I right. say early episode. Like that episode. The that episode is we get this juxt and I wish they could get more into this scene with May. Just May isn't May gets her time more time to shine in the main plot in the next um, but mm. a big problem, not problem, a big theme about the difference between her and MK is this interesting interplay between, like, the importance of family in being yourself and being worthy versus the importance of heroism as something that arrives out of your own self. Yeah. Because May and her powers are all based on her family, her heritage, who she is. And MK's heritage is completely irrelevant to who he is. Yeah. Like, we know nothing about him, and that we know nothing about like his past, why he's here, who he was before the Monkey Kid King. But mm-hmm. it doesn't really matter to him being a hero. Whereas May, her heroism and her sense of identity is all wrapped up in that. And by the end of the episode, where we see her family, she decides she's fine with that. It's important. And I think it's really interesting how they play with both parts of heroism being related to your backstory and heritage versus heroism is just yourself. Because even in that episode, they're like, base heroism, she may have powers from her family. Her heroism is her own. That's why she can be the sword. Yeah. Also, now that you mentioned that thing, it's like, wow, MK, how come this show lets you have two dads? More like three, three. Yeah, kind four, of four, five. Wait, where's okay? Hold on. He, Pigsy, Macaque, Wukong. Who are the other two? 
Tang uh, and Sandy. Sandy is less of a is not really a father figure in my opinion. And, and he did he, he no he listen. He he does like cover him and May in like blankets when they're sleeping. And he did like make that tea to help him. And, and he like and he like was teaching him therapy things and like he hangs out with him to, to paint his boat. Mm. I'm saying Sandy's also a dad. You're just saying he's a dilt. That too. Irrelevant. Unrelated. Mm-hmm. 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 Tang does feel like a dad figure though. Partially because he is married to Pig. Yeah, they're just an old married couple. They really are. Yeah. The fucking another thing that I really like about this show is like this is one of those shows where you could just make an entire compilation of like this show out of context and there's just so much fucking hilarious shit. Yeah. Like that one uh scene uh at the at the end of the episode where Monkey over MK ate too many meatballs. And you oh, yeah. got over the hiccups and was like, man, I could go for some more of those meatballs. And just very casually, May just like turns and throws a, a bowl at him and then turns back. <laughs> May chooses, every day, May always chooses violence. Oh, right. There's also that really fun, in the special, in the Spider Queen special, Um, mm-hmm. we got to see Red Sun being a good a good guy. Yeah, he hated sort of. it. He, he hated it, except he didn't. Red Sun is the character everyone wanted, for some reason, Draco Malfoy to be. And also mm. the character that, like, um, who's the other character they have? Jack Spicer he's, kind of was later on. He is just Jack Spicer. He is, but he's got, like, the setup for a redemption arc that Jack Spicer took a million years to get to and then never actually did. Um, you know what? I kind of liked that Jack Spicer was just, like, it was literally, like, you could see it happening. Like he, he was handed the, here, take this, and you can be one of us and be redeemed. And he was like, nah, <laughs> nah. And I'm like, you know what? I kind of appreciate the the swerve. Red Sun though was definitely leading leading up to. He's probably gonna be good. He's probably gonna be good, and that's fine. I, I like mean, I like Red. Well, I mean, it's because the Demon Bull King, him, and Lady Iron Fan are like, what if Team Rocket was, like, relatively competent? Yeah, but also, like, what if, uh, de- what if they were bad parents? Yeah. At some point, I feel like, uh, Team MK is gonna have to establish, be like, hey, you know they're not, you know that's a bad bad relationship you have right it's like no it's my dad i mean his dad, his, i mean his dad's working on it he's working kind of it. he's getting there he did say Again, he, was, he did say he was proud of him yeah i don't know it came off very very much like a this father's taken way too long to like care about his son kind of way well i mean to be fair he kind of has been stuck under a mountain for a few thousand years he also keeps calling him useless offspring, um, mm. which isn't great. I mean, that's kind of what happens when you don't get to spend time with your son for a few thousand years. Also, Lady Iron Fan is not much. Oh better. no, yeah, 
Oh, I, yeah, no, you're afraid. That's correct. She's not much better. Um, I mean, they are. that episode where they did that race that they knew was really important to their son, and they were like, yeah, we're just going to beat him. They are demons. They are demons. And they are petty. So, yeah. you know, they're evil and they're petty. I did like that, that, that episode where he was on Team MK, where, where like, he and May got to be friends. She took a the selfie. The whole episode. Yeah, where she was like, oh, you're a good guy, actually. And he was like, no, 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 don't. Absolutely Stop. fucking not. <laughs> Call me that again, and I incinerate you. And she was doing a whole, like, don't worry, I, I, I get it. You're going to be the newest thing in heroism. I did appreciate that um, in the episode where MK was stuck in the little fucking board. It was like they tried to... Calabash. Yeah, the, the Calabash. The, the red and the gold and silver demons were trying to be like, what if we ship May and MK? And they were both... And MK was just like... <laughs> no. Please, no. Like, nope. Nope. And they were like, oh, I thought you were... T-. He was like, absolutely fucking not. She's my... She's like my sister. That's gross. That's gross. Just immediately cutting that thread. And then when May heard about it later, like, gross! Gross. Like, I know, right? I mean, one of the first things I saw from this show was people shipping shipping May and Red Sun. So. I, the first thing I, the first fan arts I saw of the show were people shipping in this order, Macaque and Sun Kong, and then Red Sun and MK. Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, yeah, the Red Sun MK. Which is very funny only because of Noodle Boy! Noodle Boy. <laughs> you think I would kiss you, you stupid Noodle Boy? Well, I will, but you shan't enjoy it! Shut up, Noodle Boy. <laughs> stupid. Uh... Also, can okay, can I... I want to say a thing, and and we huh? were both we were both thinking it about this show. Why did they make Sun Wukong hot? Why did they make Sun Wukong hot? And the corollary: Why did they make uh, Macaw hot? Why did? I'm so angry that this is probably one of Sean Schemmel's best, like, things he's ever done, and he really <sighs> makes like his the. I love Sean Schemmel as a voice actor, I do. It's just that, like, it's hard to get away from Goku, but this is one of the times where he gets away from Goku. Wild, given he is still playing Son Goku. <laughs> yeah, but all, but he's not Goku. <laughs> he's not that Goku, but he is. He is Goku. He's Goku, but not that Goku. Yeah. The the uh. go, the Goku at home. <laughs> oh. And then yeah, Macaque is. Because Sun Wukong is already hot. What if Sun Wukong were evil? Yes, please. Thank you. More, please. Thank you. Then there's that... I've seen a lot of people take screenshots of that one scene from the video game. It was basically (laughs) like a a fucking visual novel. And there's that shut up Wukong just ripping off his shirt. For no, what I loved was in that episode, if you're watching it, no reason for that shot to be, for him to be looking like that in the video game. None. It was for me. It was for me. I, it, uh, I'm, I'm angry that that they're both hot. They are very... 
I do want to say this about Macaque, actually. Uh, Macaque? Six-eared Macaque. His interpretation in this show is one of the most interesting of, in, in, it's, in, in contrast to his like counterpart in the original novel. Because the thing is, his, his counterpart in the original novel shows up pretty often in adaptations because he's the shadow to Son Wukong Sonic. Yeah. Um, he's the, the rival character, even though he's only the in Virgil one, one episode. Dante. He's only in one episode Be- of Journey to the West. Yeah, because he, he does the thing where, like, in the original novel, he shows up for one uh, episode where he is just... He does the imposter thing, the find out the real one thing. See which one is the real one thing. Yeah. Where he impersonates as Sun Wukong, his spell of impersonation is so good that he even responds to the Heart Sutra. Mm. Um, and uh, no one could tell them apart because he was such a good actor. So the only way they could figure it out was have Buddha show up. Uh, and the end of that episode was Buddha trapping uh, Macaque underneath uh, a cup, and Sun Wukong then killed Macaque. Yeah. In in this version, I don't know if they get more into what his deal is, but like it it feels like they're implying that either he was like literally Wukong's shadow, or he's like they were old friends and something like he was one of the, the monkeys. The interpretation I had of Shadow Play mm-hmm. was that he went with Sun Wukong in his early journey, like pre-journey. Yeah, he was one of the monkeys from Flower of the Crown. He wasn't. He's still mm-hmm. the six-eared macaque. Oh, okay. Um, I I should cut away and explain this to the audience. Um, in Journey of the West, there are four. Uh, spiritual monkeys uh, that like what's what I'm looking for there are four spiritual primates that do not belong to any of the quote ten categories that all beings in the universe are classified under end quote um, these are the intelligent stone monkey the red bottomed horse monkey long armed ape monkey and the six eared macaque of these Sun Wukong is the Intelligent Stone Monkey, because for those who remember the prologue, um, he, he a stone fell from heaven, split open, and a monkey came out. That was Sun Wukong. Mm-hmm. Six-eared Macaque is one of the other four monkeys. That's why he's technically Sun Wukong. Not his brother, but also sort of it's mythology. They do not come from the same place, but they are like in a the same category of being. But also not. We never meet the red-bottomed horse monkey or the long-armed ape monkey um, in any adaptation, but they are mentioned in the original novel as also having similar power and the same capabilities, potential capabilities. Now, in the original, Sixteen Macaque only had Sun Wukong's abilities because his skills that he learned from way earlier because of the spell of impersonation. In this version, though, they went, we can't give him the same exact abilities, because, like, it would look, it wouldn't be as visually interesting in a fight between them, which is what we want to see. Yes. So they lean into the shadow archetype thing, even giving him that magic lantern, which shadow play implied to me that that's, like, his, one of his big deals, is that lantern. It's like his Ryu Jingu bang. Yeah, because his staff seems to also be made of shadow, rather yeah, like, than being a true item. It's like his ability is like 
the control of shadow and thus being the shadow and thus impersonation and thus creating copies and stuff and copying abilities of other people through shadow. And that lantern in shadow play was implied to me anyway. Uh, that the lantern was his equivalent to the Ryujinko Bang, his like main artifact power. Yeah. Does um, that does that lantern show up at all in the original novel? Because all the other artifacts no, do. Nope. Not even a little bit. Mm. The magic lantern is completely original. Yeah. Um. All the other ones do though. Like the most of the other ones do. The other things that are used to make the bone mech. Um. Yeah, the demon mirror, the trigram furnace. Uh, I think the 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 specifically the box um that first box we see that that from earlier on in that season mm-hmm. is new and also the the skeleton key and the binding to uh the lady bone demon's cage right. are original. That's yeah. Um, but the revealing mirror is a reference. Um. The other thing, not the flower though. The flower is new. The whole thing, yeah. Um, to my knowledge. Yeah, and then we also have Lady Bone Demon herself, who is uh, who I need to talk about. How funny it is she's the main villain. Well, I mean, it's... I get why she is in, in in a larger meta context, but you can talk about her first, and I'll kind of go into my reasoning for why she might be the villain. I get why she's the main villain because she like. She represents insecurity, doubt, and, like, uncertainty, and is really good at disguises. Those are all skills she had in the original. Yeah. But her, the plot she was made to orchestrate in the novel had nothing to do with her as the main antagonist. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was originally white bone. She apparently gained access to land or a title at some point between now and then. Um, but her original appearance was she appeared as an old an old lady, I think, at first. No, it was a young woman, then the old lady. Oh, it was the young woman, then an old lady, and then, then an old man. Old man, yes. So so a young lady is like trying to get I think a fruit from a tree or something is injured. It doesn't really matter. It's just they show they come upon this and she's telling her sob story and before she even finishes, Sudden Kong bops her on the head and kills her dead. Because it's like, um, oh, you, you're a demon. Because he has, you know, the special eyes and can tell where, what's a demon and what, what isn't. And then um, he explains to the team, when the team is horrified he just killed a human woman, he's like, no, that was a demon. And Pigsy's like, yeah, sure, of course. How do we know you're not just, you know, trying to kill people, just saying they're demons to get away with it? And for some reason, uh, Tripitaka, Tong uh, Sanzong goes, do you know what? You're right, Pigsy. You've never been right before, but I think you're right this time. Because Tripitaka heart... because is the most gullible motherfucker to ever exist. Yeah. But then he so he uses the heart-binding sutra and is like, don't do that again. Sun Wakong's like, okay, I get it. Please stop making my head hurt. They find the old woman. The old woman is like, uh, it's the same demon, by the way. He didn't Kill, you, the, the bone demon is like, I'll get, I'll get you again, and becomes an old woman. And she's like, she's like, have you seen my granddaughter? And they're like, no. She's like, well, I need to get to the top of the mountain. Can you help me? And they're like, oh, we're also going up the mountain. And Wakong's like, sure, hop on my back. 
And then while on his back, um, he tells the, the old lady, I know you're the bone demon. I've got to drop you off the cliff in like three minutes. So say your last one testament. <laughs> um, and then does so. And Pixie does the same routine again when, when Monkey's like, yeah, that was the same demon. Mm-hmm. And they get to the third one. Same and demon. <laughs> the same same thing, not the back thing, but same the same uh, song and dance. And at this point, Sun Wukong's, uh, uh, he gets in a heated argument with both Pixie and, and Tang, where they're like, "Why won't? Why do you keep doing this? We know you. You know you just can't kill people." He's like, "I'm not. They're demons. It, why don't you believe me?" And they're like, "How? Well, you're the only one who can see them. How can we trust you?" He's like, "Well, if you can't trust me, I don't know what I'm doing here." And leaves the team. Leaves yeah. the journey. And I think that that is the crux of it, right? Is that through not just the original novel, but like a lot of like other interpretations and retellings of Journey to the West, like people like latched onto the fact that the Bone Demon's direct action is what caused one of the most prominent moments in the story, which is Wukong literally just fucking off and going back to Firefruit Mountain. Going back to, back to Firefruit Mountain, which in a sort of modern context of storytelling. Like, yeah, that's super important that, like, this demon's direct action is what caused this super pivotal moment within the story. And I think turning her into a major antagonist and further interpretations makes a lot of sense. It does. It's just very funny. Because, like, she's not the main... The, the thing is, that story continues. She That's, like, that's like the first five minutes of that episode, pretty much. Yeah. And the rest of the episode is, like, uh, they go to a kingdom where, like, there's, a, there's like, a demon ruling it. He's got like the yellow this... robe demon, and he's got a lady kidnapped from his wife, and he takes the pilgrims. They can't beat him because Sun Wukong's not there. Traps a uh, Tang in a cage and has a, an illusion cast over him to make him look like a tiger, so no one will release him. Um, the the white uh dragon horse tries to do something for once and tries to fight by turning into a dragon. I think he can do, uh, and promptly fails. Um, and then Pixie Sandy, has to go crawling towards... Yeah, Wukong. and Sandy tries to fight and fails. Um, so Pixie does have to go and, like, do the, the song of dance of, like, pretending everything's fine and, like, they just miss him without saying they miss him because he's too prideful to say that. While also being like, there's an emergency, though, you need to come with us without saying that because he can't admit he was wrong and they should have trusted him. Until he does... They finally get Monkey back to save the day. Yeah, and also part of that is, like, not only did Pigsy admit he was wrong, but he was also sort of like, Wukong was like, eh, I don't know. And then Pigsy was like, uh, also the demon said you were smelly and weak. He's like, fuck that guy! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because Sun Wukong is vain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but So it is, because I, rem- I remember researching the bone demon, aka also known in Chinese as Bai Gu Jing. By by Hing, uh, is a major antagonist in lots of other versions of this story. Like, certain, is she? Like, yeah, like move, like um, she's like the main antagonist of um, a very prominent Chinese animated film called uh, "The Monkey King Conquers the Demon," which was a sequel to another uh, animated film that was uh, released around the same time, which was one of the first like major animation efforts of China. Uh, and another thing is, in various other, like, live-action interpretations, she is sort of, like, not either a main antagonist or the sort of, like, second-in-command antagonist to the Yellow Robe Demon. 
uh, because that those two stories are kind of intertwined with each other and like directly connected. So sort of like making that one cohesive plot of like the bone demon is like the second in command to the yellow robe demon and the events of her deceiving Wukong leads to the yellow robe demon capturing Kripataka, which makes a lot of sense from like a more modern narrative like perspective. So, she's all yeah, you know, go on. She's also apparently the antagonist of the Kung Fu Panda TV show. Yeah, the new one. There's been, there's yeah. been several Kung Fu Panda TV the shows. The Pause of Destiny TV show on Netflix. The second one. Not the third uh, no, one. No, on Amazon Prime. Sorry. On Amazon Prime. So there's been three Kung Fu Panda shows. Wild. Uh, there was Legends of Awesomeness, that show, and then the new one, uh, which is Dragon Knight. Um... But yeah, so in sort of like the modern zeitgeist of interpretations of Journey to the West, her being like a major antagonist makes a lot of sense. Even though in, yeah. the, orig- in the original novel, she actually really isn't that big of a she, deal. Yeah, she's kind of gets reinterpreted. It sounds like she she's getting reinterpreted on fullness factor for the reasons that like Macacus. Yeah, because Macacus like nothing. He's only in one episode and he kind of gets like beaten with like... And he's not there. even that... He's not even that cool. He's just a clone plot. It's the, the kill the clone plot. Exactly. So it's like, it's kind of like both of them are kind of like taking modern sensibilities and sort of like, how would this go down to sort of a modern interpretation of this character? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, also, they do a really good job of making the Lady Bone Demon threatening. Yeah. Yeah. She reminded me of. I'm going to say this once. And, and Joey, you will hate that this will be on the podcast forever. Okay. But she reminded me of the type of character you can play in Exalted now, um, called the Heart Eaters. It has been a... it has been zero days since KP <laughs> has mentioned Exalted, which I can't get into what it is. Message me, I will tell you all you need to know. But it's like character type they just added. Weirdly, does the whole like taking over people's minds and, like, weird glowy bone powers and, like, um, illusions preying on your, like, doubts and insecurities thing. It's a whole type of thing you can it can do there that it really reminded me of directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I think there are very few other demons and or antagonists you really could is like a major villain in Turning to the West. Yeah, it's kind of meant to be episodic, which, yeah. Like, there... Cause... Sun Wukong, is, he comes from an old-school type of heroism where you don't have recurring antagonists because you solve the problem. Yeah, so... <laughs> the like final it's... solution, one would say. So, like, when you need to do a show where there needs to be an overarching antagonist for a couple of seasons, you need to pick some people, and the Bone Demon is one of the more prominent figures in, like, not just the novel, but other interpretations of the novel. Plus, like, it, there's the coolness factor of it's a demon that's a skeleton. Yeah, she's a fucking bone skeleton. She's bones. She's bones! And Which, yeah, that's really creepy and cool, and you get to do, like, the cool bone fire thing. Yeah, and her the way her, she's animated. I like, I really love that scene when uh, Spider-Queen tried to kill MK, and she just, like, looked at Spider-Queen and just flung her across the room. 
I I really like how she every time she's like shows up on screen and uses her powers, they do the same bell. Boom. Is that yeah, the the bell that happens. Yeah, but it's a like... really neat like audio cue of oh bone plus like the sketchy black and white animation. Yeah, the blue they do when she's like like when she, when she's really digging into MK's head. Yeah, that that shit of the the shots of MK like his eyes flashing blue and all the the, the heavy lines. It's like there's a specific um, name for that type of animation that I always forget, like what it is called. Um, but it's it's a technique that's used a lot to like, especially animate to sort of like exemplify intensity. And also in certain scenes that like um, because there's no use of color, you can do a lot of like wild things in terms of just the animation itself. Mm-hmm. It's like it's like you're just working with like the line art, so the animation can kind of go super fucking crazy, uh, which they do a lot in this show with with the Bone Demon, especially when you see like the the image of her true sort of like self behind her in the fire, like the blue skeleton fire. And also the cool shit like that. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to talking about the show more later because I'm really looking forward to seeing yeah. now that there's like a plot plot, I'm really looking forward to seeing where this goes. She's also there's been a theory because of how the the show doesn't like to, to leave characters behind when they've done bit important things. Mm-hmm. There's been a theory going on that her host, the the girl we saw her take over in Back when she escaped, uh, Bull King's little tomb mm-hmm. is gonna be a major character moving forward for season three. I've seen a lot of art of her, like basically Macaque adopting her and the two hanging out. Yeah, because there's a specific scene where Macaque saves her after she's unpossessed. Spoilers. Mm-hmm. Got it. Looking forward to that. Also looking forward to more characters from the novel, like. And other Chinese stuff like, like I know Shanga and Neja are in the new next season as well. I I really want to see if they adapt my favorite villains from the novel. Um, of the Immortals. Yeah, Tiger Strength Immortal, Deer Strength Immortal, and Goat Strength. Mm. I, I I can't tell you why I'm, they're my favorites. They're just a weird. In the novel, they're just a weird uh, three stooges routine that's taken over a city that hates Buddhists. Mm-hmm. Um. But like they, they definitely are the fir- some of the first villains that uh, Son of Kong faces that are like Taoist immortal inspired using the same abilities he's learned, but faking it because they're not spiritually enlightened. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's really fun seeing their deaths because it's def- because they just keep getting tricked by Wukong and not learning their lessons. It's very funny. Um, and like things escalate, but only because they escalated. Like the only reason they were like sentenced to death with their like routines against the king was they escalated to the point where they're like, we must do these deadly competitions to see who has achieved immortality for real. And monkey's like, I'm immortal three times over. Five. 
Five times over. Five times over. Whatever. He's immortal multiple times over. Okay, hold on, KP. Could I? Uh-huh. I just had a thought. Uh-huh. We we finally get Sun Wukong in Epco slash Fate, mm-hmm. but it's actually not Wukong, it's Macaque. <laughs> Pretending. Wait, wouldn't that be, be wait, wouldn't that be Sun Wukong um Faker? Alter Ego? Or it would be Shadow it would be Sixer Macaque Faker or Alter Ego. Oh, Faker is a Faker is a, a Faker is a class that was introduced in the Waver novels. Fakers wouldn't really be, but for Fko's class purposes. Yeah, for Fko's class purposes, it would be Alter Ego. And it's like his first couple of ascensions, he's Wukong, but his final ascension, he reveals that he's actually the six-eared macaque. Yeah. It's like I wasn't Wukong. It's like you got Wukong, but not really. Yeah. That would be me. That would be the me. only other thing Macaque could be is Avenger, right? Yeah. And then, like, Wukong qualifies for most classes. I think he qualifies for every class. Does he qualify for... Assassin? I don't know if he qualifies for Saber, actually. No, he doesn't have a sword. He also doesn't qualify for Assassin. Does he not qualify for Assassin? Not really. He kills demons a lot. Yeah, but he, he doesn't do it in a sneaky way. Uh, yes, he does. That's how he killed the, the three immortals, was by sneaking and deceiving them. Yeah. I mean, he's, like, it's, like, not the, the, it's not the class he's probably best for. It's probably be like no, he, like, Lancer. Lancer, he's definitely good at. Berserker. Rider, he's definitely got. Caster, he's got. Berserker, he's got. Yeah, one of those. It's, like, he's a Lancer, Rider, or Berserker, like, his preferred. Oh, he doesn't really qualify for Archer, either. Yeah, not really. No. Qualifies for most classes, though. Caster, uh, Rider, Berserker, Lancer. Lancer. Yeah. Those four classes, he all qualify. Anyway. Yeah, can we, by the way, just a sidebar to related to Journey to the West. I uh-huh. think one of my favorite uh, fucking things that happens in Journey to the West is when, um, I forget which demon or thing he was up against at the time. I think it was the White Rhino Demon. Yeah, it was the White Rhino Demon King. Uh, to, like, so he goes to a bunch of different people to try and solve his problems, and Monkey King just straight up just flies to Thunderclap Monastery to talk to the Buddha. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. nobody tell Tripitaka it's that fucking easy. It's like, you could just... Well, they- you just because Chibitaka has to do it a certain way it's for a, the like it's the weird journey. prophecies and like it's the journey, not the destination. Blah blah blah. It's also because the journey is about the spiritual enlightenment of the pilgrims as much as it is about yeah, um, getting the stuff there, and also like it needs. There's like this running theme of like there's it was foretold that they would take this journey. And go, undergo eighty-two tribulations. Mm-hmm. I think that is the number. Right. And coincidentally, there are eighty-two episodes. Um, coincidentally. Uh, and so when they, so they have to do it that way, even if like Sun Wukong can just bring them up to the Buddha. It's like that, a, or to the West that easy. Yeah, it's from a meta narrative perspective because the novel is about the the 
the Buddhists like uh, trying to achieve Nirvana. Yeah, it's like it is the journey. Literally, it is about the journey, not the destination. You have to do it the right way. You can't take shortcuts. Which weirdly is why adaptations get away with removing the destination. Yeah, it's like changing why they're doing what they're doing. They can get away with it because it's not about that. It's not about that. It's literally about the journey. The journey. To the West. <laughs> I can't believe. I think we've exhausted all of our for now. All of, yeah, we're gonna get uh, in. We, we're gonna get into Shanga and Nezha and a bunch of other bullshit next time. We also, eventually, I will be on here when we talk about fucking Shinzo. Shinzo is so much. It's a wild adaptation. I remember watching as a kid, loved it. We'll get into it when we do that episode. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's the show. Uh, we hope you enjoyed. Uh, whatever, wherever you're listening, please rate and review. Give us five stars. Uh, leave a comment. Wherever, uh, all of those are very much appreciated. Uh, I love feedback, and I craved uh, that sweet, sweet validation. Uh, if you want to get in contact with the show, you can email us at acne at acmepodcastinc at gmail.com uh, KP, can I get that email address? That's acmepodcastinc at gmail.com uh, There are no emails as of yet. Laser will more than likely inform me when there are emails. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter uh, acmepodcast that's I-N-C-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S acmepodcast You can also find us on Tumblr at acmepodcast.tumblr.com acmepodcast.tumblr.com there are no ask in the ask box, and there are no DMs on the Twitter. Uh, so uh, that's how you can get in touch with the show. But if you want to find us individually, KP, you're the guest. Where can people find you? Um, I am on Tumblr at uh, hypernebula.tumblr.com. K-U-I-P-E-R-N-E-B-U-L-A.tumblr.com. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, at the same name, uh, K-U-I-P-E-R-N-E-B-U-L-A. ULA uh, on Twitter. Um, I also have a uh, coffee you can look at if you want because I need, I, I've been planning a move for some time now. If you want to throw me a couple dollars, I'd really appreciate it. Um, yeah. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at kaiju underscore emperor. That's K-A-I-J-U underscore E-M-P R-O-R. You can also find me on Tumblr at Kaiju-Emperor, spelled the same way. Uh, I recently finally opened uh, writing commissions, so if you want to commission me to write something for you, my commission info is pinned to both my Twitter and my Tumblr. As someone who has commissioned uh, Joey many a time, uh, they are very, very good at writing, um, and you can do a wide variety of subjects and genres. Thank you. Uh, and that's, mo- but mostly my Tumblr and my Twitter are retweets and reblogs. But if you want, like, anything original from me, um, you can check out my side blog, Kai's Tome, K-A-I-S-T-O-M-E. Uh, that's usually where I reblog uh, D&D homebrew stuff and post my own D&D homebrew stuff and other, probably other tabletop stuff at a later date. But mostly it's just my homebrew D&D stuff. D&D stuff. I've posted some of my 
subclasses, magical items, and my completely uh, new class, which is uh, the Wushi, which is a caster class that is more based in, appropriately enough considering this episode, uh, Asian style mysticism as opposed to Western style mysticism. But uh, anyway, that's the show. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, next time, if uh, the if schedules allow, uh, our good friend Radical Apollo would be on, and me and them will be talking about uh, Rise of the TMNT. Uh, we hope to see you then. Have a good day, everybody. Bye. Bye.